You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome back, folks, to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. It's where we break down the latest and the greatest in Michigan football recruiting. And the last home game of the season is upon us. Going to have a number of visitors really heavy on the DB side. Got crystal ball forecast coming in here at the end of the week uh, for a Michigan target that's slated to make a decision. So we have a lot to unpack in this episode. As I always say, if you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can get it wherever they get their podcast of Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Of course, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way, every time we put up a new video, you'll get a notification. And last, certainly not least, if you want to keep track of everything we do, football, basketball, recruiting, the podcast, the videos, the intel, the message board, you can find all of that over on the MichiganInsider.com. And $1 gets you in your first month. And, oh, what a month it'll be. It'll take you through signing day. It'll take you through the what is maybe going to be a playoff berth for Michigan. So that $1 will go a long way. And then, of course, if you stay committed to the Michigan Insider and become a full-paying member, you'll also get access to Paramount Plus as part of your subscription. Okay, fellas, the team, the crew that makes it go, that makes it work, starting with Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you today? Doing good, guys. Had to pull the shovel out, but I guess you have to pull it out sometime every year. So that's Man, it, that. It hits you guys out on the west side of the state already. It's that, that's that lake effect snow out there. Yeah, it's like the lake giveth and the lake taketh away over on this side of the state, I feel like. So, um, yeah, whatever. Extra steps, extra exercise, I suppose. Yeah, it's going to hit us, too. It's coming our way. Bryce, Bryce Marich, how are you? It's good. I don't I don't have that issue. I'm in the apartment. I just kind of watch the guys outside get the, you know, <laughs> get the sidewalks. Yeah, that's so. like you sold your house, so you didn't have to shovel snow, huh? You shoveled uh, you snow know. one winter. Listen, the market was it was it was prime for the taking. So oh yeah, you got out of it at the right time. Definitely. Right. All right. So uh as crystal balls go, there are some that are easy to make and some that might be a little harder. So I made the the crystal ball after, you know, kind of a long deliberation process. I made the crystal ball on Jaden Davis last week, feeling pretty good about that one. That one was a little harder. Nathan Afobi. Not so hard. When I see the offensive lineman down there from Georgia, the Peach State, the Wolverines had him up a few months back on a, on a visit, slated to come back on his visit uh, in December, I think you reported, Bryce. But when I see him tagging Bryce Marriage first on his announcement, kind of a little bit of a sort of a kind of a tell, at least to me, Bryce. You know, I know that's a guy you've been tracking for a while and a guy that Michigan is much higher on than the rankings are at this point. Well, you know, I'm a favorable person, so I don't blame him, you know, for tagging me and stuff like that. He heard about my jump shot and also my drive, so he knows I'm a talented individual. But besides the point, with Nathan Afobi, he's six foot four, I think 280 pounds, somewhat around there, from, like you said, the great state of Georgia, Sam. Um, and this is a guy that Michigan kind of got on a little later than – other guys. So someone on the message board asked, is this a mixture of, I guess, recruiting misses, or is this a guy that was kind of always high on their board? And I think it's a 
mixture of both. I think they missed on some guys, but obviously, like we said, they're always going to reevaluate, reevaluate the board and look at other guys, see some new film. And when you watch his junior film, what's really interesting about him is he's playing defense. And so a lot of colleges were wondering, okay, maybe he's a defense alignment. And Michigan saw his potential on the offense side of the ball, which he plays both ways for his high school. And everyone that I've talked to down in, you know, Georgia, all my contacts down there say, even though he's super raw, his ceiling is extremely high. Probably one of the highest out of any prospects in the state that's psycho. So again, Sharon Moore, the recruiter he is, offered back in June or July. They try to get him up for the barbecue at the big house. That didn't happen. They followed that up, though, by getting him up for the Maryland game with his mom. And his mom has a pretty unique connection because she went to school with David Ojabo's mother. So there was always kind of an end there. And so Michigan's been chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Other schools, like I think NC State at one point was really um, pushing at him. Miami, I know he took a visit there, was pushing at him. Penn State, a couple other schools. But Michigan, since they got that offer from Michigan, has always been the constant denominator in this recruitment. He told me, like you said, Sam, he's planning on taking an official visit in December. But then he also said that I want to make a final decision either in November, December. That's pretty evident now. He's going to make that decision tomorrow afternoon or whenever. Um, And, you know, I'm not saying he gave it away, but it's a good hunch when he tags someone like me or you or Steve in a, you know, tweet. So I'm feeling good about my prediction. I put it in before I left for Hawaii and uh, still feel really good there. Steve Wilfong joined in. Definitely made some calls. I'm feeling pretty good about it as well. As far as his really, really athletic guy and a guy who can play up and down the offensive line, including centers. I was talking to people about him, trying to get a feel for what the comps are. And the comp I got was a bigger Olu, a bigger Olu Olu with team. So powerful, athletic, but longer. Uh, and so that that was one of the things that he must have a pretty long wingspan because his length kept being mentioned. He's not a, you know, that that six, 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 seven guy, but a six, four guy can play tackle if he has the he has the wingspan, the long the, the arms to be able to keep to be able to keep linemen uh, off. And it sounds like he does. It sounds like Michigan, they'll, he'll he'll be an interior guy maybe to start, but could wind up anywhere along the offensive line. Yeah, I was told he's more of a swing guy, like you said. He's got that uh, position flexibility where he can be moved around. And again, if they were to land him, they're slowly but surely building a really nice offensive line hole for the 2023 class, pairing him with Amir Herring um, and Evan Link. And then going forward, I think they would like to add maybe one more. But the other key question is who comes back from the offensive line room? I think that's another thing they're kind of looking at. And also the transfer portal, because, it I mean, they hit the jackpot with the sweepstakes with Olu. So who's to say, you know, you can't intrigue other guys after seeing potentially them winning again the Joe Moore Award for the second year in a row. Any offensive lineman in the portal is probably just craving to join that room, especially if Sharon Moore is running that room as well. So there's a lot of moving parts with that. But in terms of Nathan Ephobia himself, He's one of the more intriguing pieces, especially if they can add to the fold. 
Yeah, you know, you look at it, Steve. I, I think that was a, a great point about the portal, by the way. I mean, that, that Olu pickup, and they've had some some success. Olu, um, uh, you know, you, you look at a couple of years ago, as I was kind of laying it out when we were talking about the Yabiyoki uh, comparison, said, hey, man, you know, this is kind of temper the expectations just a little bit, but he could be like uh, the kid who transferred from CMU. That's playing with the Chiefs now, the defensive end. Steve Mike Dana. Mike Dana. Mike Dana. I said, yeah, man, if he could have a Mike Dana-like impact. And I think that's, if we look at how things have played out, that's kind of what it's been for Iabioki. That kind of along that range, maybe here down the stretch, he could be a real impact guy. But getting back to Natafobi here, here, Steve, I think Bryce sort of uh, explained it really, really well. They got on Natafobi a little bit later in the process than they than some of the other schools involved, talking about it in the summer. And that was kind of as they were recalibrating their board. Uh, but this isn't a this isn't a jump on them in December kind of thing. And that's that's not always bad. You give uh, you know some guys a chance to emerge, like we're going to talk about with the DBs. But this is a little bit different. I I really feel like this is a guy that you'll see the, the rankings kind of change on here down the stretch. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Natafobi before the end of this cycle is ranked a four-star prospect. So I went back and looked, you know, yeah, Michigan had their like initial board. You know, a lot of the guys we talked about early, uh, Ifobi was part of like that. There was like a second wave of offers. Uh, we remember names like, uh, while well, Lomu was one, uh, Jatavius Shivers who committed to South Carolina, Ifobi, Nick Fadig who 24-7 sports has as a four-star committed to Texas Tech. I think all those guys were offered within like a couple days of each other. Those are really the only other offers, like besides that initial, those initial wave of targets, the Jagusas, the Caden Proctors, like those guys that we had talked about early on. Uh, So yeah, uh, you know, Michigan's offensive line recruiting has been, uh, I don't want, maybe it's been criticized, has it a little bit? I think people have been a little underwhelmed with it, but they really haven't had to dig super deep yet necessarily it's more they did miss on a few big names but they've still been after uh some of the most of the guys that they're recruiting they've been recruiting for at least three or four months if not longer if phobie in that three to four month period uh, but yeah the other thing i notice is with the phobie the composite has him at an 88 we have him in an 85 uh yeah history tells me that those two numbers will be much much closer together by the end of the pro a three-point difference between the composite uh, and and our score is is pretty massive actually. So you know I would expect to see upward movement for him uh, before the end of the process for sure. Hundred percent. It's a more of a matter of how far, like where you know how much how much the our guys like him on on an evaluation uh, coming off of his senior film. Yeah, and the other thing to really look at, I, I mean, it's a he's a Georgia kid that Georgia offered. Now George is loaded, <laughs> so. I mean, for a guy might get out of the state, it's no skin off their back because they they just, you know, they just keep racking up the, the big time prospects. So I, I don't say that to to say that they don't want uh, nativophobia. I, I just don't think that it'll be one of those things that they they lose a ton of sleep over because they keep getting guys. But he was one of the guys on their board. Like he has a Georgia offer. He has Miami. He has Penn State. Like this is a. This is definitely a guy that you can explain it like the the evals were maybe kind of focused on a different position. And 
as the evals come back around, this is a prime candidate to move up. Another prime candidate to move up. I talked to Alan True about this today. He is really, really high on Roderick Pierce. Now, Roderick Pierce, Wisconsin got it when, when Michigan got on him. There are some questions about, hey, is Wisconsin going to be able to hold on? In the week since that happens, it's that initial sort of push on Wisconsin prospects. You've seen transfers, you've seen decommits, and and now and, and you've seen some uh, you know some of those guys, some of those transfers already kind of land on new teams, and it really feels like guys this uh, this wave of decommitments I want to call them uh, that they're on now. I don't think any of those guys are going to wind back wind back up in the fold. For uh, for Wisconsin, let's so let's start with Roderick Pierce, Bryce. Uh, significant movement on the Michigan front with that young man out of Illinois. Yeah, so we talked about Wisconsin, and I guess even months prior, we've talked about. I hate to say it, but like, what school can you kind of poach from, and what school are you going to see uh, defections from, as essentially? And so Wisconsin right now seems to be the loser on that and uh that that's a very curious state i'm curious what they're doing in terms of head coach i think that's causing the pause for concern with many of these prospects and even guys on the team of is jim leonard the guy or is he not the guy you know and once they made that move mid-season of letting paul chris go it's like all right what's our game plan going forward and right now it seems like they don't have a game plan and it's costing them this recruiting class. One of the guys that's still committed, and I say still very lightly, very light. is Roderick Pierce. He's yeah. six foot three, 290 pounds. He's from the Chicago area, which Michigan's done a great job recruiting there in the state of Illinois. Um, and he took official or unofficial first off to Michigan for the Michigan State game. He was offered in um, late October, so a couple of days before that game quickly made it up to campus, had an amazing time. And I asked him, I said, well, you know, what's been Michigan's message to you since you got that offer? And he said, I've been talking with defensive line coach, Mike Elson. He's made it very clear. I'm a wanted man in Ann Arbor. You know, Michigan likes him at the three tech. I know they have Brooks Barr, another guy from Illinois there. Come in. I think he could fit in that role as well. But, I mean, you watch Roderick Pierce, and we talk about evaluations. He just got bumped up to 89, kind of on that borderline of potentially being a four-star for 24-7 sports. Um, and I know Alan True, our Midwest guy, who does a great job here for 24-7 sports, he's really high on him. You know, and especially if you watch his senior film, you can see why he got that bump from us as well. So this is a guy that I think is on the verge of potentially flipping to Michigan. This would now be his second trip. To Ann Arbor, he's coming up this time for on a, for official visit. So there's a lot of things trending in this recruitment. And this is a guy that, again, even though they get on late, with all the uncertainty going on in Madison, this is kind of a opportune time for Michigan to take advantage of, and it looks like that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think we're at the point now where we need to be like if Mike Elston's on him. That that dude can that because you can go back to looking at him in Notre Dame and they was taking like three star guys and they wind up being dudes right now you see him come here and the coaching job that he's done uh, that he's been able to take some of these guys that were were 
developmental guys. And now I know there was a lot of coaching that was done before this, but man, he's been able to help those guys really hit the ground running. If he thinks Roderick Pierce is a guy, then he's a guy. But you watch his film. I know you said three tech. I think he's athletic enough to play on the outside too. Uh, and I, And I think that's one of the things that has to be appealing to him, depending on how the line shakes out. This is a chess piece that you can play him inside, but he's quick enough. And that's one of the things I like, Steve, is his get off on the outside. And Wisconsin, I, I know he's committed, but I just think it's I'm on the verge. This is one of them that I'm on the verge of a crystal ball on. I, I really think that getting him back on campus this soon uh, is telling. And I think it's also telling that Wisconsin has not gone on Jim Leonard. I wonder what you think on this, Steve, but if Jim Leonard was going to be the guy, I think they would have said it by now, right? Why why lose guys to the portal or, or leave yourself susceptible, more susceptible to poaching? And why sacrifice an entire recruiting class if you think you have the guy right now? They must not be convinced that, that Jim Leonard's the guy. Yeah, you know, with the first signing periods in like just a little over a month, right? I mean, yeah, if you're going to stick with him, now would be the time. Like, you're not going to learn any. What are you going to learn if you're Wisconsin in the next two weeks? You're right. I mean, is there really is that much yeah. that you can learn? So the, so the fact that they haven't stood behind him, and I, it's, I, I mean, you, you see in it today, uh, they had two decommits. One was is Jamel Howard, who we'll be talking about in a minute, and they had a wide receiver decommit. What's, what's ironic is when I asked around, I, uh, Pierce was the guy that those around Wisconsin thought was the guy who would open it up next of any of their commitments. So that leads right into what, what you just said, Sam, where I've just, this feels like an, an, an inevitability to some extent uh, that, A, he's at least going to open up his recruitment, and, B, if he does, Michigan's got to be the school that's in best position to sort of take advantage. So, yeah, Wisconsin, if – if Leonard's the guy, they're not doing themselves absolutely any favors in the way that they're handling it, you know. And 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 like I said, if if the kids are might be picking up on something here by by getting out now, knowing that you know there's not much, you know, there's not a lot of no vote of confidence, no uh, conversations behind the scenes saying, hey, you know, this is he's gonna we're gonna stick with Coach Leonard, blah blah blah, you know that type of thing. So uh, yeah, very interesting. Also, talk, you know, it leads back into the Braylon Allen stuff we talked about a little bit last week, right? Uh, what did he – I think he said as long – I'm here as long as Coach Leonard is here when he was asked about it directly, uh, right? So there's that too is kind of an interesting little wrinkle when you talk about the portal and, and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, no, uh, I think Pierce just got a huge bump too. I think Allen bumped him from an 85 to an 89, which is a massive – Four points is a huge bump. To me, that, that says he's a four-star. I mean, a four-point bump usually means, like, we probably could bump him up further, but we don't want to, like, go way overboard and move a guy from, like, an 85 to, like, a 91 or 92. Uh, you know, but, yeah, this would be huge uh, for Michigan. And, and, yeah, defensive line recruiting has maybe been the least of Michigan's concerns this cycle. If there's one spot that they really seem to have it that, that, that looks like they're going to sign – a really strong group of players. It, it's definitely up front. And hey, I mean, outside of quarterback, where we're not even convinced they're going to take one, I'd I'd argue take making sure you have a strong defensive line class might be the second most important thing you can do every cycle. So, uh, yeah, getting in on 
on a, a sinking ship, so to speak, like Wisconsin is smart strategy for Michigan and, and increases their stranglehold in the Chicago and in Illinois area too. I mean, that's another thing where it could be a nice little side benefit. Yeah, they footprint recruiting definitely seems to be on an uptick right now. But you said, what can they find out, uh, you know, in the next month? They can find out who they can't get. They can find out who else says no. Because I, I said when they fired Chris, first guy I thought of was Lance Leipold at, at Kansas. The first name I mentioned, uh, you know Nebraska is, is all on. But if you're, if you're Leipold, which, which school would you rather go to? No disrespect to, to Nebraska, but you're you're a Wisconsin guy, right? That's number one. Uh, Wisconsin is is probably closer roster wise to being uh, to being a, comp, a competitor in the West. So I I think they're looking to see who who can they get, and and he has to be at the top of their list. And if they, if he says no, maybe you come back around to to Jim Leonard. I don't know, but he can't be their number one guy. He just cannot be their number one guy. It wouldn't make sense. I mean, it'd be malpractice. It'd be athletic director malpractice to have Jim Leonard be your number one guy and to be waiting. He's not their number one guy, period. And I think recruits are sensing that, right? That, okay, well, his his time here is in jeopardy. Let me look around. Jamel Howard, who you just mentioned, Steve, uh, another defensive lineman, and another guy uh, Michigan is chasing now. So I had to go look and because I, I was convinced that I was correct, and, and I was. I went back and looked at what Georgia and Alabama have done on the defensive line over the last, like, five, six, seven cycles. And both programs really ha- seem to have a premium. And, and this, this will kind of correlate with how they're ranked. Um, they like taking 6'2", 6'3", 300-plus pound guys that they can plug in the middle of their defensive line. And what's interesting is most of those guys aren't, you know, of course they're getting their interior guys that are really highly ranked, the five-star studs, you know, the big names, but they're also seem to take those nose types and nose guys just aren't ranked highly by the recruiting services most, most of the time. Right. I mean, we were begging for Kenneth Grant to get a bump, a further bump than what he ended up getting, uh, you know, and he looked like a different, player like you know just a different dude for that size and still only I believe ended up as like an 89 88 or 89 on the composite when he signed but Alabama especially uh seems to take not every cycle but almost every cycle take one or two guys that they can throw in the middle so you you look at a guy like Jamel Howard another Chicago product uh really fits that spot for Michigan is really solidifying the middle of that defensive line and and we've seen the value of that this season, uh, maybe more than any, uh, you know, just in how good Mozzie Smith has been, uh, you know, Chris Jenkins, not quite a no, you know, just getting bigger on the interior uh, has allowed Michigan to be one of the best run defenses, if not the best run defense in the country and, and is letting their edges, uh, you know, be able to run free a little bit more often. So yeah, Howard would be another big, you know, literally big addition for Michigan, but also just, just really, you know, thinking back of, 18 and 19 when Michigan was running Carlo Kemp as like the, basically their nose tackle. Right. I mean, Carlo Kemp was a great player captain, but that was, that was just not a guy that you want. You're not going to have a number one run defense with a guy that size on your interior, you know? And so, so Michigan's continuing to get bigger and bulkier up front and, and Howard would yeah be a nice 
complement to what they brought in last last cycle for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Mozzie Smith and you know asking Allen for a comp. He said that kind of a smaller Mozzie, right? But he comes in with that six two three hundred pound frame right now, and that's a that's kind of the difference. Uh, Chris Chris Jenkins is the exception to the rule in that Chris was kind of a 240, 245 pound guy who was able to build up. But his dad was, you know, Chris Jenkins' dad was a big time interior defensive lineman that was like three fifty. You could see. I was going to say he had he had the big boy the the big boy DNA right. That's right what, yeah, he had yeah. the big guy DNA. Carlo didn't. Carlo was when I went to see Carlo, he was playing linebacker, man. So it's like you know. That that's that was a different proposition, but to get guys that are already big and can move, and you just got to get them, condition them, and especially if you have a rotation and, and a role. And so, difference here is like Roderick Pierce, jack of all trades. You can move him up and down the line. This dude is a nose guard. He's a nose tackle, and you need to have some guys like that on on your roster. And this would be another nice pickup. And then you put in a you put in a crystal ball, didn't you, Bryce? I did. So again, this is a guy that also he's got a connection to Michigan. He comes from Maris High School, which might sound familiar to Michigan fans because they picked up again a late addition last cycle with Jimmy Rolder. Um, but yeah, I mean, Sam, you talk about fit, six two, three hundred twenty pounds. And I just watched his huddle for the first time today. It's at least senior film. His burst and first step off the ball. Th- that's what you want. That's when you want to, you know, the nose guard. You know, obviously they kind of had a shuffle their board a little after they lost Caden McDonald to Ohio State. But if you were to tell them you could get a guy, a late riser like this, a Jamel Howard, I think Mike Elston would be pretty happy. You know, if you you look at across the line of what they've done, if they are to land Jamel Howard and Trey Pierce, that defensive front and this hole all together is exceptionally well, it's deep, it's talented, and it has a lot of potential to where I would say it's one of the best defensive line classes in America for this cycle. I mean, you got a guy like, you know, Etta, who's a freak. You know, he had over 100 tackles this season. He's a two-way, uh, two-sport athlete. He averaged a double-double in basketball. Then you got Collins Akapong from California, who's just, I mean – huge at six foot eight 260 pounds and he's just scratching the surface of what he can do get a guy from france amir kumba who's got a seven foot wingspan and now you're adding beef and bulk in the inside from guys that let's be real wisconsin has done a pretty well a pretty good job of finding those kind of those 300 pounders in the interior of their defensive line so overall we have to give, I think, a little more props to Mike Elston, what he's done in terms of not just with the product on the field, but also in the recruiting department as well of what he's done for the defensive line. I mean, again, I know we, Sam, you were high on him, especially Biggins and Huffman, but look at what Mason Graham has become. You know, and I, I just saw a thing on Twitter about stats, him, his stats compared to Walter Nolan. And it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, comparable. And I think a lot of people, if you said, who would you prefer, Walter Nolan or Mason Graham at the time, would be a no-brainer. But then you watch them both play, and you're like, this guy is pretty good. And, again, he was another late fine. I think that's what we're seeing with these two Wisconsin commits, or at least the one at, at the moment of good senior seasons, a team of turmoil, 
and Michigan taking advantage. And that was the theme of last cycle, and now it's starting to carry over, and that's kind of what we've been, you know, echoing these, these last few recruiting pro, uh, podcasts. Of that's what Michigan has to do because so far the recruiting class has been up to par, but if they can land some of these guys and flip some of these guys, then, you know, the narrative changes. Yeah, man, and uh, they better be sending uh, old Courtney Morgan royalty checks for, <laughs> for Mason Graham, man. That was a court fire right there. Flipping him from Boise State. From Boise Oof. State. Man, I, and, and still, I mean, you saw, and I talked to Vance about, about Mason because he was raving about him. And I remember when I first went to see him, I, I, they, the comparison I heard, because you always, you know, you talk to Michigan guys, have them watch film. Who do, what do you think? What, do, what are they saying? Rob Renis. No disrespect to Rob Renis. Um, that super strong guy, member of the 97 championship team. But when I saw Mason Graham, I was like, oh, man, okay. So I, I understand why they say wrestler, strong, right? No, but this dude has a he's, – he's taller, so he's longer, and he's quicker. And you see, you see he, he's giving you some interior rush. I know we, we got off on, on a little bit of a tangent here. But that's kind of – you can find guys like that in, in other classes. You can find guys like that. Maybe later in the cycle. I wouldn't be surprised if Nate Afobi, for instance, to get back to him, winds up being a guy like that. You mentioned him relative to Jamel Howard. You know, maybe maybe that could be the case. Maybe that could be the case. Time will tell. Uh, those guys are, are when, when you talk about the projection, those guys aren't as much projects. Like, I think Roderick Pierce is you can kind of see Roger Pierce being a guy. He's going to be a natophobe. I think you could project him as being a starter. Same thing for Jamel Howard. When you get over to the corner recruiting, there there are some projections in this. So we we tend, we don't sugarcoat. We shoot you the real. And so on the defensive backside of things, they are definitely going and and looking at some some upside guys, some projection guys, some guys that are probably going to have to be in the incubator a year or two before they become contributors unless unless they can get on under Daniel Harris I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago when they lost Chris Peel lo and behold Daniel Harris decommits the young man the corner out of Gulliver Prep decommits from Georgia a lot of Penn State buzz there Steve Wright but this is a guy I expect Michigan to continue to kick the tires on but he's not one that's expected to visit this week there are a lot of other new guys in the fold that are expected to visit this week. This is going to be a big, a big weekend for corner visitors and DB visitors. Yep. So yeah, Daniel Hare is somebody I, th- I think, you know, we expect Michigan to go all out there and, and, you know, they have a lot in their favor. That's this one's so such a mystery about defensive back recruiting is like Michigan has a lot in their favor uh, at the position, as far as a history of producing guys, there's probably an opportunity for playing time, I would think, right? I mean, at least having the a legitimate opportunity to to prove yourself to play year one, you know, and, and not like, yeah, Daniel Harris decommits from Georgia who has like 11 top 150 corners committed in this class, like just ridiculous, uh, you know. I almost don't blame him where it's like, eh, you know, I'd rather go somewhere else. Like I could, I maybe I maybe I could be the best of these guys, but I'd rather go somewhere I don't even need. You know, I don't need to 
uh, you know, put in that kind of effort or however you want to say it. But uh, either way, yeah, Harris, a guy we expect him to throw the kitchen sink at. Uh, Jair Hill is supposed to be back again. Um, will he just choose the winner of the game? I don't know. So right, let, me, I, let me pause real quick. So he's, yeah. not, he's not one that I mentioned as a project. Okay. So they, he's like a real legit dude. Yep. They would bend, they would do cartwheels. I mean, yep. that would make the rest of this class, in my opinion. They if you told them they could get Jair Hill, it, of, of course you're waiting on Nick Harper, but I think everything else would be gravy. Because he is he probably has been at the top of the corner board from the beginning, right? He's so, just about. I mean, yeah. he, you know. They've been recruiting him forever. Um, he just released a top 10. <laughs> so that tells you we're <laughs> I gotta I gotta be honest. I gotta imagine then Shem Beckler them seeing him release a top 10 thinking, uh, you know, geez, is this ever gonna, you know, what is is he gonna decide? Um, and I believe he was recently seen wearing uh, Michigan gloves and, and Illinois cleats. In a game, I want to say somebody on the board had a there's a picture of him on the on social media. Either it was either Michi- it was either Illinois gloves and Michigan cleats or the opposite. But uh, either way, uh, you know he's he's definitely having fun with the process, which is is every kid's prerogative, uh, you know. But yeah, top definitely the top guy for sure, and has been for quite a long time. Uh, the other guy I really like that's supposed to be on campus this weekend is Cam Calhoun out of uh, Winton Woods in Cincinnati. He's a guy I wouldn't – I don't think he would be a project type necessarily. I think he's a guy that can play, you know, and and kind of, I'll be honest. I mean, so so Ohio State has his teammate, Jermaine Matthews, uh, committed, who Matthews is higher ranked. Michigan actually offered him, I think, at the same time or just about the same time they offered Calhoun. Uh, I don't know why Ohio State didn't go in on both guys, to be honest. I think Calhoun could play at Ohio State too. So, uh, yeah, those are the – Two big ones. I know the a couple of the other guys that they've been looking at. Uh, you know, there is Sean Russ out of Dunbar in Florida, supposed to be on campus. That one's been kind of a mysterious recruitment a little bit as far as, uh, you know, he has a final three of Florida State, Louisville, and Michigan. I'm, I'm not convinced that Florida State is really aggressively pursuing him at this point. So is Michigan? Uh, I guess we probably will find out this weekend. And then uh, DJ Waller. The other one, more of that's this, that's your project kind of guy. I think we were talking before we got on, hard to know what position even they're really kind of eyeing him at. He's a, a unique prospect. Michigan went through with the offer. There are some other, some bigger schools that have been sniffing around, but I don't think he's reeled in some of the bigger offers yet. Another Ohio prospect. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, defensive back recruiting's got to, you know, something's got to start, the ball's got to start rolling here a little bit here, or it's going to maybe be a little bit of a dire situation for Michigan uh, in December, January, in those months. Yeah, Jair Hill is so huge. I mean, I think the question boils down to, do you want to play big-time football? Do you want to play big-time football? I mean, Illinois, it it was cute for a minute, right, that that they were – a a contender for the Big Ten Championship. But look, if they went out, they, they get the West, right? But they lost to a depleted Michigan State team. Then, I, okay, well, bounce back against Purdue. They lost to Purdue. Now you got to come on the road against Michigan. I, I just don't be surprised if, if Iowa or Purdue wind up winning the Big Ten West. So it, it kind of tells you, you know, you Michigan, meanwhile, is competing for it all. 
It's a bigger stage. I don't know if that's I, I don't know if that's a lure or a deterrent. And that's that's kind of the question for Jair Hill at this point. I think the he comes from a spot. I've talked about this before. Comes can't key small town, you know, champagne, hop, skip, and a jump. And, you know, champagne outside of campus probably feels more like, you know, the the area that he's from. I mean, this, you know, downstate Illinois is nothing like Chicago. I mean, I don't know. You've been, you guys have been. I don't know if a lot of listeners have been. No, man. Only place in Illinois like Chicago is Chicago. <laughs> Every place else is country. Every place else is country. So, you know, it. what what stage, what level of stage do you want to play on is, I think, the uh, the decision that he has to make. As for Calhoun, I love his football IQ. Like, you watch this dude, you know he can – he can recognize he has route recognition. He he knows where his help is and coverage. You see him jumping routes. This is a high IQ football player. He's thin right now. And that's why I say, you know, kind of being in the incubator a little bit. I don't know if he's a, a guy that steps on campus as a freshman and is ready to go. And frankly, that might be what Michigan guys. That's why corner is so crucial. A a corner that is physically ready to go in this recruiting class can play next year. Like if Jair Hill commits to Michigan, he could legitimately be in a two deep next year. So, and I just don't know from a from a size standpoint if that's Calhoun Bryce or, or, or Steve. So that's why I was calling that maybe a a little bit of a down the line guy because he's just a little bit thin right now. Sure, and I, yeah, nickel probably not a big issue next year either right so yeah as far as the outside type guys it, it suppose it depends on what green does if, if jaman decides to come back again next right. year or not i don't know that sounds like that door might be slightly ajar still but yeah you know of, of it, what's disappointing yeah if you're michigan is is corner was a need going into the cycle too right i mean they did get will johnson last last in 22 uh, but they really more loaded up at safety in 22 or safety type guys. And, and so we, I think we kind of knew going in that corner was going to be a big need. And it, it's been, to be honest, it's been a little bit of a disappointment so far uh, at the position, you know, and, and yeah, getting Jair Hill would probably almost immediately eliminate all of that. Wouldn't it? I mean, it, cause I mean, geez, we got to go back what four or five months. Didn't we do it when one of the pods we talked about uh, must, must win. And his was one of them because a you're yeah you're taking Illinois it's versus Illinois, and then b yeah it's a position of need and like we I think we even said at the time he could probably play as early as next year, you know so the fact that this is still uh, going <laughs> you know one of the last guys I think you'd want on your board to be the one to drag it out as 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 long as possible really uh and again every kid gets to do they do it their own way that's fine just say from Michigan standpoint you know not the guy you're wanting to to kind of drag it on to because they're good. You have to wait it out now. Uh, you can't move on and try to fill those spots before he's made a decision when you think you're still uh, well within reach of getting him. But, you know, now it just comes down to try to get him and then do these secondary evals work out. I mean, that's really what it kind of feels like. Um, or Daniel or, uh, or Harris too. If, if, if they can get them, get him on campus, uh, you know, again, or, or, you know, he's already been there, but, you want to try to get him back, I would think, before you uh, p- could potentially get a commitment there. And Bryce, I know you you reported on another guy, Tyler Scott. So, what can you tell us about Tyler Scott? 
Yeah, so he's again another late eval by Michigan. Uh, it seems like the common uh, theme here for DB recruiting is offer guys either in Ohio or down south. And so with Tyler Scott, he's down south. He's from uh, the state of Georgia. He's interesting because his, you know, overall in the two for seven sports composite, he's number six thirty two nationally. Um, but he's a safety prospect. By trade, he's at six foot two hundred and eighty-five pounds. He can play a little corner. Um, what's even more intriguing, he's got about 40 offers. And so when we're talking these offers, I'm not saying this Austin P and Furman. I'm talking about like Alabama, yeah. Auburn, Texas, Tennessee. I mean, this happens from time to time in rank. Rankings don't always coincide right. with, but this dude has everyone, and he's like He's like number ninety nine safety in the country. Like, right? It just doesn't add up. Well, you watch his senior film. That's impressive. Um, I'm not sure he went to a ton of camps. Yeah. So that can also impact, you know, your ranking as well. And the other thing too is some guys get better and some guys get worse. And I hate to say it like that, but for Tyler, he just got way better, you know. And so he also grew. He also grew. I know that was another factor with him. But again, he's in the heart of SEC territory, so this is going to be. Hey, no, hey, no. Michigan made the top seven. He's and not going to get a visit. He's in the heart of SEC territory, and he has offers from Bama, Everyone. Auburn, Tennessee. You go out west, he has USC. You go back down south, he has Miami. He has Oklahoma. I mean, this dude has a gaudy offer list. <laughs> right. So I'm not. I would not get your hopes up on this one personally. That's just me. Hey, you do you talk about not sugarcoating? This is one I'm definitely taking the frosting off that cupcake and throwing the cupcake away because this is I, it's hey, good. You, you know, it's good to get them up on a bro. visit, right? It's a good. You got to get them up first. That's always what our rule of thumb is. Got to get them up to campus. But yeah, that's that's gonna be a tough sell. I but the crazy part, it shouldn't be. You know, that's the crazy part. Really shouldn't be. And like you and Steve have been saying, is you would have thought you would have had DBs flocking, especially looking at the depth chart, what Steve Klingsdale has done with the past defense. It's not like they're, you know, not dominating. I think they're either one, two, or three in the nation in terms of past defense. So it's kind of a little mind-boggling um, of some of the guys they've kind of missed on. but. Yeah, you can write the ship for sure. Get Jire Hill and some of these other guys. And I'm a, personally, I'm a huge fan of Calhoun. You know, I know he might need a little work here or there. Just yeah, a little I, weight. He needs a little weight. If you right. watch this tape, like the he can he's a ball player. He just what I'm talking about is can he come in as a freshman and be in the two deep? I just don't know if he'll physically be ready to do that. And so that's what I'm looking at. I mean, and maybe he will be. Maybe he will be. Time will tell him on that. So, yeah, I like him too, though. I like him too, to your point. He's good. He's good. Yeah, man. Well, fellas, uh, we we ran the gamut there. This is a big visit weekend for uh, for a few reasons. You get to see uh, among the DBs who emerges. You get to see, I mean, does the does the meter get moved with Jair Hill? By the time we come back next week, 
I think we'll be talking about another commitment. So that that begs one last question. Steve Lorenz, are you gonna you gonna be dropping a crystal ball there on Nate Afobi? I did I did I did this more uh, like late this morning. I think I put one in. Um also put one in for uh Jamel Howard. And I'm going to be putting a couple more in. I'm recording with Zach right after this for the, the preview. Uh, after I'm done with that, I'm going to put in a couple more. Uh, it's weird to be putting them in. It feels like forever since Michigan got a, commit, a commitment. Uh, it's like, you know. And, yeah, by the way, props to Bryce for getting the first mention on the uh, the Afobi tweet. Uh, you know, yeah, kind of a, a dead – not to say a dead giveaway, but, yeah, I was like, okay. It looks like Michigan finally going to get – get another guy on board so uh yeah no I mean I think it's a pretty safe bet I mean as a kid Michigan's made a priority for quite a while and uh all of a sudden I mean yeah you got Evan Link who I think is maybe even though he's a four-star is one of Michigan's most underrated still as like a low four and Amir Herring we've seen impressed for how long now uh you know offensive line recruiting is, is starting to look up a little bit I think so yeah definitely putting one in though I agree. I got a couple more coming as well. And so uh, a lot to talk about. We come back. It's also going to be talking about those Buckeyes. uh, It looks like we're going to be talking about two teams and an epic clash of undefeated rivals. So hopefully that'll be the case. Until then, appreciate you watching. Of course, as you always hear me say, be sure to rate and review the podcast. Tell all your friends about it. They can get it wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all of those. Of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like the video and subscribe to the channel. And last but not least, always follow us over on the MichiganInsider.com. That's where you can really show love and support. That's where all of our content can be found. All the VIP intel, all the team coverage cannot be beaten. One dollar gets you in the first month. And this is a hell of a month to make it your first because you got signing day. You got probably a playoff berth, right? To talk about a lot to get in on over on the MichiganInsider.com right now. So be sure to get on over there and do just that. Until next week, thanks for watching and thanks for listening to another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.